0: introduced me so kindly and graciously. I've known Rob for a long time, and I feel so short because Rob (laughs) is so tall. (laughs) So I'm going to bring it down to my level. There there we go. Um, Yeah, like Rob and I, I don't know, I was asking him if he's 50 yet, and he said not till next year, but in 13 days I turned 50. So I'm starting to feel um, 50 come upon me, especially recently. when my audiologist said that, oh, I think you need hearing aids. So old age is entering really quickly into my brain, and so on. my wife said, Why are you so upset? I don't want to be old. And you know, if you have hearing aids, I'm not making fun of them, I'm just probably more grieving and thinking now. And my first question, to lighten the mood here, the, my first question was, Well, can I get them in neon green? And of course, the <laughs> audiologist pulled out a picture of different colored hearing aids, and she said, you can get them in neon green, so if I'm going to wear them, I'm going to wear them with pride, right? <laughs> Go old people, you know? Woo! Hey, woo! Yeah. Old people rule, right? But anyways, but I still feel young at heart, and even thinking about um, our work we've done over the years and, as pastors, and way a long time ago as youth pastors, so much of church planting, really, I think for me, I don't know about Rob, I learned as a youth pastor. You know, some some of the things that I learned about what it means to be um, with uh, young people and students and their families over the years, um, I've taken a lot of that experience and put it into my own work in church planting. And as a minister and as a Presbyterian pastor, um, today, I, I don't think, I think I would laugh laughed at you if, I, if you told me I would not be in a traditional church today, um, standing behind a traditional pulpit back when I graduated from seminary in 2003. I think I had a lot of us had this vision that when we graduated with our MDiv that and we were blessed and ordained and holy water thrown on us and then they called us Reverend, they would send us out and you know we'd be in this traditional church forever and ever, amen. But things have changed. And um, today, part of my story, before I read the text, part of my story, I don't know if Rob shared any of the other parts of my story with you. I've been driving for Uber for over a year. I've driven about 1,300 folks as an Uber driver. I work as a per diem hospital chaplain for Providence Hospitals in Tarzana and in Burbank. And most recently, by the grace of God, um, the pastor of First Press Burbank, um, Burbank Press is our partner church for what we do with Outside the Walls as a new worshiping community. And a lot of the new worshiping communities and church plants um, at least I'm learning that it's good to have a partner church. It's good to have someone by your side supporting you. And uh, the pastor in the church over there were hired me just a couple weeks ago as a very part-time parish associate. So I sort of have one toe back in the door of the, the larger church. But it's to kind of, um, the partner church um, really likes the idea of this thought of having a missionary. And us church planters are like missionaries in some ways. Um, some have joked that we're bivocational. I'm tri-vocational because of the work I've done as a driver and sorts. Um, But one of the reasons, and this kind of relates, and I hope you connect with it, one of the reasons that I started driving for Uber was not to help grow my church, Um, but it was because we really needed money. Um, My wife teaches special ed in Burbank Unified. Uh, She's been a school teacher for a very long time. She's a great teacher. We have three sons, 23, 21, 16. Our 23-year-old just graduated from DePaul University in Chicago. Uh, with a master's and a BA in economics. Lives in Chicago. Our 21 year old used to live in Seattle but wanted to come back home and reboot and is going to CSUN, um, working on an English degree, I guess, wants to be a teacher like mom. And then our 16 year old is learning that he loves acting and all that fun stuff. He's got that little bug that's going on. Uh, Goes to Burbank High School and he's just kind of this cool, introverted, eclectic kid that just is adorable and we love him. Um, All three of our kids are great. Pastors, kids, you know, um, we're just grateful because our kids aren't stuck you know, in a cave with a beard and a cloud of smoke. Um, they're outside of the cave, um, you know, no, not a whole lot of smoke, but at least they're outside the cave and they're connecting with us and um, we still see them occasionally and it's been fun to be a, a dad and, and a parent. Um, but Outside the Walls LA kind of stemmed from this idea that there are people who are done with the church, um, they don't want to go back. Um, the church is a scary place. Um, there are people um, who also come who basically have said, I love Jesus, but I don't affiliate myself with any kind of, quote-unquote, faith tradition. Um, that I could follow Jesus. I don't need a building. I don't need a cross. I don't need a pulpit. Um, but I could show up still and say I love Jesus and participate in kingdom work and kingdom ministry. And these are the people we're reaching. Um, we have a team. I read some of the story of Light Shine Church. We have a team of 15, too. <laughs> um, everybody starts with 15, it seems like. 12 or 15, kind of a, it's a good small group. And we've been meeting in North Hollywood on Sunday nights in a small, dumpy, little, tiny, cool theater. It's a 40-plus seat theater, about half this size. Uh, we can squeeze in more chairs. It has classrooms upstairs. And I found it by accident um, when I was driving in North Hollywood one day, doing my Ubering. I needed a drink and found a little cafe next door to this theater. Walked in, got an iced tea. And we were meeting at First Press Burbank because Burbank was letting us meet there for rent free, if you will. And we decided if we were going to name ourselves Outside the Walls LA, we needed to be outside the walls of of, of the church. So this is how we found this theater. And I walked in, and the theater guy, total, you know, theater guy, and (laughs) I I, I, I introduced myself and said, My name's KC. I'm, uh, I was wondering, you know, some friends of mine um, and me are uh, planting, starting a new church It's a Startup Fellowship, kind of a faith community. And, you know, I just wanted to see your space. And, you know, could we talk about maybe rent again? Probably the boldest thing I've ever done, you know, in regards to ministry stuff. I thought, I'm going to step out. If we're really serious about this, I'm going to start knocking on doors. And so met with the guy, and he's like, Wow! Tell me about it. Kind of what I told you. The people who were done with the church, who've been hurt, bruised, blah blah blah. The nuns, you know, my kids. You know, back in the day, you know, the whole nun thing. When I was growing up, um, you know, you could mark for religious affiliation: Christian, Catholic, et cetera. Et cetera and there was that box, of nun. But you know, my kids and their friends—those are the, the nun is the big thing, fastest-growing faith tradition, if you will, which I've heard um, in our country. The nuns. But, anyways, this guy, total. Total, kind of done and done, all, all rolled up in one. Um, and he starts telling me the story of the theater. And this is how I knew it, kind of like, okay, I was on the right track. He said, well, funny that you're here today because, and I'm drinking my iced tea and kind of nervous and thinking, okay, what's he going to say to me? He said, when I started this theater 12 years ago, he was looking through the county of the city of LA, um, bird, building permits and the documents and the architectural drawings, he said this theater was originally zoned to be a chapel back in 1961. So he thought it was kind of cool that somebody wanted to hang out and in his eyes play church and do church on a Sunday night. Um, but it was great. It was like, okay, God, this is cool. And then he's like, well, how much? I said, let's talk about money. Let's talk about rent. I said, how about 500 a month? He goes, great. I'm like, Okay, so we have this whole, you'll see it, right? we have this whole little tiny theater all to ourselves on Sunday night that we kind of, you know, we haven't really thought about all the things that we could do, but one of the big things, I promise I'll read that, because <laughs> it's, it's connect. One of the big things we do on Sunday, you could Google Outside the Walls of LA, there's a video there, you can see the video, it's, it's a really, someone did it at the partner Church for us, great video. But um, one of the things we do is storyteller nights. We've done these, six of these events. And we thought, we're meeting in a theater. Why not tell stories? You know, why not have this space for nuns and nuns to come and share their stories, the good, the bad, the ugly? Um, it could be, I hate God right now. I don't know if God's there. It could be, yeah, I love Jesus, and he's there. Um, we've had, I had a rabbi friend come and share her story about depression. We've had everybody, atheists, you name it, upside down, addicts, alcoholics. It's been this space, and this is probably the best way to sum it up what we're doing. It's been this space for really weird, strange, broken, eclectic, different people. And even normal people that you would think look normal are strange and weird and have their issues, and they're just as broken as people, you know, maybe who look hurt. And so we have a variety of folk, and we've had everything. Storytellers' Nights have been this beautiful thing. I didn't think something would come from that. But it's been what's kind of kept us going as a team. So, there, I Preacher Preacher's going to pause. And let's read the scripture today. Um, from Luke chapter 8, uh, verses 22 through 25. And keep this question in mind. I don't know if this slide's up there. I think it is. Oh, there. Boom. That image in your mind. And hopefully I won't destroy this. There we go. I found it. Ah, I destroyed it. There he goes. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A gale swept down on the lake and the boat was filling with water and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. Help, help. My paraphrase. And he woke up and rebuked the wind. And the raging waves, they ceased, and there was, a, there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Um, you know, the other side, probably the big, t- I sent Rob two questions. Well, the first question for you to kind of ponder as you're thinking about this, um, what's it mean to get into the boat with Jesus? And probably the second question when you um, get to the other side of the lake, that night there was a storm, ooh, scary, ah, Yahweh fell asleep, and now they're nervous. They get to the other side, what's it mean for you to get outside of the boat with Jesus? So you got into the boat with Jesus, and you go across the lake through the storm, you made it through the storm, now what's it mean for you to get out on the other side of the boat with Jesus? And some of the stuff that, at least in starting churches, and you guys, I man, you guys are pros, because you've been part of this abroad, and here at Lightshine, um, again, I mentioned going to seminary. There was a day where they said, hey, go to seminary. We'll put a parachute on your back when you graduate. And we'll parachute drop you somewhere all over the country. And you'll find a church and you'll land in a church. Um, now open, there's the pastor. Um, and you'll find a church and they'll call you reverend. And the church will fill and grow because you're an amazing preacher." and you'll have lots of money, and program money, and have staff, and yada, yada, yada. See all the pews, all that filled stuff? But then one day, a lot of us woke up in the world of church, um, and we realized our churches were changing to really cool, hip, gentrified um, condos. Um, if you, and when we put this grant out to start meeting a faith community, I did a Google search, and maybe it was just me, and by accident... But I put churches and condominiums. And all of a sudden, all of these hits came up um, with sanctuaries that have been um, rebuilt. And on the bottom floor is this cool living room. And the narthex is like a bedroom. And the choir loft is a, another bedroom. And the kitchen is here and there. And they remove the stained glass windows. And they have these like nice, beautiful, double-pane windows. And you know, to think that way back when, the local church and the community was the main thing. It was the heart of town. It was the center. Women and children were cared for, and homeless people, and you name it, families. People who were hungry, the church fed them. Uh, Broken people, weird, strange, eclectic addicts, alcoholics, people who don't look like you, sound like you, smell like you, or think like you. These people would show up. Now, they're not showing up. The church has changed, um, and you know this. Forbes magazine says this. Um, organized about organized religion, attendance figures make clear that overall churches in America are, are in steady decline, just a few decades behind their cousins in Europe. Growth in evangelical congregations has not arrested the overall slide. America's fastest growing religious affiliation is no religion at all. The non-religious are the single largest religious identification among young voters in the U.S., Those venture churches seem to act as the exit foyer of Christianity, swelling momentarily as people leave the faith community entirely, even charismatic denominations like the Southern Baptists, which had benefited from earlier declines in mainland Protestantism, are beginning to see their numbers fall off at an alarming rate. That was a big mouthful, but you get the point. Um, So again, we know the world is changing. This is why you guys are doing light shining. This is why you guys are gathering together. This is why you're trying to figure this out. How do we reach people who don't want to go to the traditional church anymore? Who don't want to be part of a church that kind of makes them scared and bruised? Luke chapter 14. I love this because this is really important for you and me as a church. If Rob wasn't here right now, this is what I would say to you. Because when I go and guest preach sometimes, Sometimes no, no. If Rob wasn't here right now, I would say that you know the traditional pastor like. Like that parachute you saw that seminaries were pumping out and pushing out. You know, there was a thought that it was all Rob's job and my job. So if the church wasn't growing, blame the pastor. If the church wasn't growing, it must be the pastor. I had a friend equate it to, and I'm not a huge basketball fan, I'm a Dodgers fan, but (laughs) but, you know, know, someone equated it to, you know, a college basketball team. If the college basketball team is doing well, everything is good, the coach must be doing well. But once that losing, that decline happens and the losing streak happens, blame the coach, get rid of the coach. You know, and so this thought, that if the church wasn't doing well, and I've been part of churches, and I, I've no doubt Rob, I've been part of churches where that was kind of some of the mentality. You know, it must be KC's fault. And mind you, I've made my mistakes. I've been bruised, just like the parishioners. I, I've had my joys and struggle in ministry. But there's this sense where you as Light Shine Church, not just Rob. But his family, you know, we need to love on them. We need to support them. Because my spouse of 28 years, um, and I, I don't think she would mind me saying this, the local church scares her for what she's seen me go through over the years. She doesn't want to go to church. So she's, in it, so she's come a long way. And she's finally getting back. And part of this outside the walls thing has been a healing moment for her, where she knows that, you know, it's not... It's not all just the church's fault. It's not all my fault that, you know, the church is broken. Right. So Luke chapter 14, real quick, Jesus followed up. Yes, and here's the, Jesus was always what? Uh, coming from a meal, going to a meal, or at a meal. So I, I noticed there's food. And, you know, part of one of our values were outside the walls when we started. We said we need something that looks like food. Jesus followed up. Uh, yes, for there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many. When it was time for dinner, he sent out his servant to the, invite, to the invited guests, saying, Come on in, the food's on the table. Verse 18, they all began to beg, they all, then they all began to beg off one another after making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property, need to look it over, send my regrets. Another said, I just bought... Five teams of oxen and I really need to check them out, send my regrets. And yet another said, I just got married and need to get home to my wife. Uh, Then the servant went back and told the master what happened. He was outraged and told the servant, quickly get out to the city streets and alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal. All the misfits and the homeless and wretched you can lay your hands on and bring them here. Bring them here. The servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded, and there's still room. The master said, Then go to the country roads, whoever you find, and drag them in. I want my house full. Let me tell you, not one of those originally invited is going to get so much as a bite at my dinner party. Scary. I love how Eugene Peterson kind of paraphrases that, because Eugene Peterson's um, work is a paraphrase of the text, but I really like not one will get a bite at my dinner party. And if you go back, all the wretched you could lay your hands on, the wretched. So who who are those folks for you today? Because we know the story of Luke chapter 8, once the boat reaches to the other side, we know that that there are people there that were scary looking, and the wretched, and the outcasts. We know there were all kinds of people that Jesus encountered. So that really, that big question of what's keeping you from getting out of the boat with Jesus to go be with those people that you work with every day, the people that you go to school with, the people you don't want to talk to that you don't agree with, that you're always—and it's a weird time right now. People don't want to talk, but thanks be to God that what keeps us together is the church, whether it's Presbyterian, Lutheran, or whatever non-denominational. The table keeps us together. You know, this idea of bringing people to the table, everybody, who people who have questions. Rob and I were talking about that before the service. People who have questions and want to talk, that they could come as they are, you know, that they can talk freely, and that we're not going to thump them over the head. One of the things that I learned as a driver, Uber driver, that, you know, when, here's the question they would ask me So, do you do, do, you do this full time? Now, well, what do you do? Well, I work as a, and a hospital chaplain. What? What's that? Well, a hospital chaplain, you know, I go in the middle of the night, there's a code, and they page me, and I go, and if someone's dying, I spend time with the family, and I pray with them, and I talk with them, and and if the person passes, then I'm there with the family, helping, trying to figure out what that looks like, or, you know, whatever it might be. Oh, my gosh! And one particular person, she starts crying in my back seat, and, um, she said, my, she was about 18, and she said, my mom just died of cancer. Every time I got into the car, I thought, I don't want to do this tonight. And I usually did the late night drunk brigade. You know, like I, I, that, that's where I would kind of from 10 o'clock to 2. Um, but even though they were half intoxicated half the time, um, I still had beautiful conversations. And, this, and even encouraging this passenger you know, I work at a hospital. I said, ask me what I do during my day job. What do you do? I'm a hospital, chaplain. Oh, my gosh. Blah, blah. Um, I'm like, sweetie, you got to find a therapist. you got to get into a grief group. How about a church? I mean, it was always an opportunity for me to say, hey, how about this? So the joke was people called me the uber pastor. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm the uber pastor. Um, but then when I would tell them about the church, what we were doing outside the walls, they're like, oh, my gosh. And I could see them in the back seat. Look at, what's it called? Inside the walls. Oh, I'm going to screenshot it. And then, I mean, again, I'm like, no, you're not going to remember this tomorrow morning. And you're going to look at your phone and go, whoa, what is that? Um, you know, it's true. But the converse- the conversations that I have. You know, another guy, he had this big red beard like Justin Turner. Um, and glasses, and just for the Dodgers. You know, Justin. Um, and he's... He's he's stopping in Hollywood at his house. He's getting ready to get out. And I'm getting, sometimes I'll, this is, if you know who we live, I'll have to turn off my app because people, they want to talk. People yearn to talk. Whether or not they're part of any faith tradition or whether or not they hate the church or like the church. They just want to talk. And that that was the exciting thing. So getting into the boat means that you're going to get out and you're going to find people that you've never talked to before. You know, people then who want to cry and they haven't been allowed to cry because life is just sucky. You know? and 18-year-olds aren't supposed to lose their mom to cancer. You know? That guy I was telling you about, Justin Turner, the red-beard guy, he says, my mom was an, is an evangelical and I was an evangelical and I'm now I'm an atheist. And as I was describing what, we, what you guys do and what we do on Sunday nights, he said, but I would come to your church Because of what you're describing. That's what you're saying. I would come and break bread with you. Part of the church's role is to teach people to scatter. And you guys, again, I heard Rob announce it. You're talking about what it means to scatter and do work. See the little tiny people? They're like ants. And, you know, Jesus says, go out into all the world in Matthew 28 and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. This is you guys. You're the ones who are supposed to be scattered. Um, when I was growing up at Hollywood Press as a kid in the 70s, I grew up under the preaching of Dr. Ogilvie, and one of Dr. Ogilvie's big things was, I'm the pastor, you're the ministers. I equip you to go out. That's, there's still some truth to that, that you are the ministers. Um, Mark chapter 6, you know, yeah, this is actually really good. Uh, verse 11, if you're not welcomed, not listened to, quietly withdraw Don't make a scene. Shrug your shoulders and be on your way. Then they were on the road. They preached with joyful urgency that life can be radically different. Right and left, they sent the demons packing. They brought wellness to the sick, anointing their bodies, healing their spirits. It's funny. Actually, I should have read verse 8. Don't think you need a lot of extra equipment. You are the equipment. No special appeals for funds. Keep it simple and no luxury ends. Get a modest. You know, When Rob and I were doing youth work, we thought we were cool. At least I thought I was cool if I had clip art. You know, and that I made really cool youth group flyers. And I was always begging for scholarship money to take kids to camp. And if I had all the right gadgets and everything that we have now today, you know, part of being followers of Jesus means you don't need anything. You just need a story. You need to be willing to listen to other people's stories and tell your story. That's part of what we do when we get out of the bowl with Jesus. A um, couple more quick things. From a book called Living into Community, Cultivating Practices that Sustain Us. Communities, Christine says, communities in which hospitality is a vibrant practice tap into deep human longings to belong, find a place to share one's gifts and be valued. The practice of hospitality reflects a willingness on the part of a community of people to be open to others and to their insights, needs, and contributions. Hospitable communities recognize they are incomplete without other folks, but also that they have a treasure to share with them. You have something to share. You know, whether White Shine is here, for, or Outside the Walls for that matter, whether we're here for another year or 30 years, we've been given something to share. But we've got to be willing to get out of the boat. We gotta be willing to respond, and and the idea of hospitality. Are you practicing that? Are we practicing that as the church? You know, do people feel welcome to the table where they can cry and say, "I hate evangelicals," where they can cry and say, "The church has hurt me," but to know that when Rob or anyone else stands up and says, "The body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you," you know, when we walk away from that table, we still know we're friends. We still, they know that they matter because inside the walls, they haven't mattered. We're getting there. Welcome is one of the signs that a community is alive. To invite others to live with us is a sign that we aren't afraid that we have that treasure of truth and of a, a treasure of truth and a peace to share. If community is closing its doors, that is a sign that we are closing our hearts. From another book by Jean Veneur. So, what does this mean for us? I asked you the question, you know, what does it mean to get into the boat, What's what does it mean to get out of the boat? Um, I've shared with you some of my story. Um, the other quick part of my story is, let's see, that this will kind of give you context. Um, I graduated from college at Azusa Pacific at the age of 33. Um, I applied some, Pastor Bill, the pastor I worked for in Burbank a long time ago, said, If you're going to make it as a Presbyterian pastor, you've got to go to seminary. Well, I could barely get out of college. I probably went to every junior college in L.A. County. Glendale College, Pierce, uh, LACC, Santa Monica. I mean, I went everywhere. Um, But then when Azusa finally said, here's the degree, leave, I applied to Fuller and Princeton, and for some reason they accepted me too. I don't know why. Um, But then when Princeton said, hey, would you come over here, and um, they gave me a scholarship, and my wife and I said yes. At the time, we had two kids. So when we got to seminary, it was the scariest thing ever because, you know, I, I, could barely, I barely got out of high school. Um, father died, my stepfather died of alcoholism. My youngest brother, Moonman, died of a crystal meth overdose. My other brother, Scott, my other half-brother, who we all grew up together, lives in Orange County, and he's been struggling with his sobriety over the years um, with heroin and alcoholism. My mom was this Wiccan witch lady that I never knew about until I found found out later on in my life, Um, but I guess she was a big Wiccan person, and she left our family when I was in high school, um, when I was growing up, and still going to Hollywood Press, and really Hollywood Press, the building didn't save me, it was the people in the church that God used. I had surrogate, moms, dads, grandpas, you name it. Um, I still have big brothers, mentors that I still go to. It's my home away from home in many ways. But the role of the church in a person's life, um, I shouldn't have gone to Princeton Seminary. I shouldn't have gone to college. I should be somewhere where my brothers are at. Um, I should not still be married after 28 years. Um, my wife is a beautiful, amazing person who's been able to put up with the joys and struggles of my work and has been my cheerleader. But I think if anything, the biggest message I want to leave with you today is that um, we have a, the church isn't dead yet. There's still work that needs to be done. Um, whether we meet in a space like this, or I hear churches that have boomed like big non-denominational churches are going back to churches that are closing and saying, "Do we use your space?" Um, if the church isn't dead. There's still people that need to be reached. But you got to get out of the boat. To God be the glory. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thanks for this lovely heat that you've blessed hearts with today for some reason. But we're grateful for your creation even when it's super hot. Um, God, we thank you for church and what it means to do church differently. And thank you for Pastor Rob and his family and kids and Lord bless them as they continue to be in the trenches. And all the people that work with Rob, Lord, in this community of faith, we lift up, I lift up to you. And I pray, Lord, that as we all, we've all at some point in our lives have decided to get into the boat Um, we've gone through that storm and where we've yelled, help, help, Master. And, of course, you breathe and um, you are all about calming storms. And, God, we thank you that even in the midst of starting new things that uh, when you blow your breath upon um, chaos, there is calm. And so, God, we thank you for that. And thank you, God, that you even help us get to the other side of that lake and that you help us get out of the boat and that part of Following you means taking risks and doing different things that we would never even think about. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us all get to the other side. Help us get out of the boat to take a risk and talk to people we would never talk to and break bread with people that we would never break bread with. And God, help us also to be people who scatter so that we can help each other, people to scatter and do this work that you've called us to do that sometimes isn't easy. And sometimes, God, we want to throw in the town. But Lord, you called us to be faithful and not to give up and to keep going because even if it's just one person that needs to cry or tell their story, that Holy Spirit, we pray that you put those opportunities before us. Um, Young or old or in between, Lord, that our stories still matter and there are people in this world who want to share and they want to talk. So if anything, help us as the larger church do that well. Help us invite others to come and be people who can share and just be themselves. So again, thanks for this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can clap. <laughs>